Hello, and thank you for joining us on the East Bay Bible Fellowship Podcast. Our prayer is that you'll be blessed by the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. We're located at 1361 High Street in the city of Alameda, California. For more information and service times, you can find us on the web at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you, and God bless. Uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about the book of Psalms. Uh, I'm, I'm personally kind of excited about this lesson. And uh, hopefully we can learn uh, something new and exciting about Psalms. Can you say amen? amen? So let's pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. And I pray, God, that you would open our ears and eyes today to receive your word and to read it anew and afresh and to receive fresh revelation from heaven. And everyone said amen. Okay, so uh, first of all, the book of Psalms in Hebrew is known as Tehillim, and uh, that literally means praises. And so the book of Psalms could be accurately translated as the book of praises. Early Jews and Christians observed a five-part division in the book of Psalms. Some speculate that early Jews, uh, as well as Christians, did this Uh, to mirror the five divisions of the first book of Moses. Very quickly, I'll I'll show you why they divide these books and how they divide the book of Psalms. The first division, they divide it from from Psalm 1 to Psalm 41. The second is Psalms 42 to Psalm 72. The third is Psalm 73 to Psalm 89. The fourth is Psalms 90 to 106. And the last is Psalms 107 to Psalms 150. So I want to show you something really interesting to where you can actually see how the book of Psalms is divided. So if somebody can get Psalm 41 and read me the very last verse. And then if someone else can get Psalm 72 and read the very last verse. And being that there's not a lot of us today, I'll get Psalms 89. And I'll read the last verse there. Let me see. Psalms, book of Psalms. Psalm. I'll do Psalm 89. And 72. And then Sister Prado, can you do Psalms 106? And then uh, anybody who wants to pick up 150 out there. Brother Gabe, what do you have? Uh, Psalm 41. All right, Psalms 41. Read the very last verse in Psalms 41. Hey, Sister Francis, God bless you. Amen. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. Everyone say amen and amen. amen. Now that's an important line right there. Uh, all right, Psalm 72. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. All right. Uh, is that the very last verse? Yes. Yeah, uh, read 70, uh, 72. Read the verse before it and then the last one again. All right. Can you guys, are you guys starting to pick up the pattern there? You see that double amen at the end. And even here in the Psalm that Sister Harris just read in Psalm 72, it actually says the prayers of David have ended. So it's actually giving you 
the, uh, how that book ends right there. All right, look at Psalms 89. Look at the final verse here in Psalms 89, verse 52. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. What's it say? Amen and amen. There you can see how uh, the same pattern again. Psalms 106 and then 150, the last verse. Sister Prado, Psalms 106. All right. Who's got Psalms 150, the very last verse? Brother Gabe Rocha. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. All right. So the first and second Psalm, uh, the first, second, and third divisions of Psalms end with, as you saw, amen and amen. And one even goes as far as to say, this is the end of the prayers of David. The fourth and fifth book of Psalms um, end with the phrase, praise ye the Lord. Um, If you were to pick up a Jewish Bible and even other translations now in English, it would end with the word hallelujah or just praise the Lord as we have it in our translations. So you could actually see here why... um, early people divided these books because there are obvious divisions in the way that these chapters are ending. Uh, And so uh, that's just, I'm just giving you a little bit of data on how people have typically read these books and how they divide them up. Um, It's important to remember that the book of Psalms is a collection of voices. Okay. It's not just David's uh, writings, albeit there's plenty of room to attribute most of the Psalms to David They are not all written by David. When I first got saved, um, I just thought David wrote the whole book of Psalms. But the book of Psalms doesn't even say that. (laughs) When you read through the book of Psalms, you'll see at the opening, it'll actually tell you who the attribution is to. But I'll give you a breakdown of those for curiosity's sake. So 76 Psalms are directly attributed to David. You'll find that in the title of the Psalm. Uh, Twelve are attributed uh, to a man named Asaph. Another twelve to the sons of Korah. Two to Solomon. One by Moses. One to Ethan the the Heman. And the um, uh, one to Ethan and another man named Heman. They are both Ezraites. So that would be two more books there. And then there are 50 Psalms with no attribution. It does not say who wrote them. If you want to say David wrote them, I'm okay with that. So you could see here that David is responsible for the bulk of these writings, but he did not write them all. The book itself does not say that. But Psalms, um, Psalms uh, use something called parallelisms. And parallelisms, what they are is they're a literary technique or a device in which an idea is developed by using two lines in order to highlight the same idea. Uh, I'll give you a good example of this. Uh, if you look at Psalms 27 and 1, Psalms 21, 27 and 1, and here you could actually see what we were talking about a second ago as far as attribution. It says, a Psalm of David. So it's letting you know this is written by David. But look here, you have, you're going to look at two lines that are both saying the same thing in a slightly different way to make the same point. And this is why they're called parallelisms, because they run side by side. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Does anybody happen to know the next line? 
Whom shall I fear, right? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So it's saying the same thing, just two different ways. And those are called parallelisms. Almost all, that is almost all the, the psalmists that write psalms. Everyone, most of the psalms are actually written using this device. And this is why a lot of times as you read through psalms, uh, you'll notice that you're like, there's this like repetitive nature to them. And what they, they're doing is they're saying the same thing, just two different ways. This is very common in Hebraic writings. Psalms also use something known as antithetic parallelisms. You'll see these a lot more in the book of Proverbs, but they are also used in the book of Psalms. And what an antithetic parallelism is, it's where two lines are used contrastingly. There's two opposites used to make one point. I'll give you an example of this. Psalms 34 and 10. It says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any shall not want any good thing and the word want there means they will not lack so if i were to translate this for you it would say the young lions they suffer hunger but the righteous or the people of god they don't suffer hunger so here he's got two parallel lines that are saying the same thing but in opposite ways all right and this happens throughout the whole book of psalms as well you'll you'll read things where it'll it'll just talk about uh, David will use a lot the, the antithetic parallelism of night and day, night and day, night and day, and hunger, and they will not hunger, and they'll be thirsty, and they will not be thirsty. So these go out throughout the whole book of Psalms. Stylistically, uh, some divide Psalms into several different genres. There's been a lot of work done as to try to categorize all the different kinds of Psalms that there are. For the sake of of, of just... Simplicity, when you read the Psalms, I want you to just look or think in terms of two categories. The first is lament and the second is praise. Those are probably the two easiest ways to classify all the different types of Psalms. Some are Psalms of lament. The second are Psalms of praise. Psalms of lament are Psalms where the writer is asking God to take note of several negative, seemingly wrong things in the world such as pain, confusion, conflict, death, anger, and everything else under the sun. It is important to notice that the Psalms are, in fact, very candid. Nowhere do the psalmists even try to hide their feelings. I suppose that there are several reasons, valid ones, actually, uh, for why they do this. But let's just assume this for tonight. The psalmist does not hide his feelings because he knows that God already knows how he feels. Furthermore, the psalmist knew that God could sort it all out and do what's right in the end. The psalmist is making a bold statement by coming boldly before God. And that is this. I'd rather take everything before God than allow everything to separate me from God. Lament is an appropriate feeling. Lament is an appropriate feeling. But it's only one part of our feelings. And it does not need to... Uh, dominate all our feelings. When you read the Psalms, you're going to find out really quick, David, Moses, the sons of Korah, whoever they are, they don't hide nothing. They tell God exactly how they feel. And sometimes some of those feelings that they express, if we did them today, man, we might get hauled off to jail. 
But there's, I mean, I, one of the most funniest ones to me is where God says, man, uh, David says to God, let my enemies melt like snails. I mean, he just, he wants, he wants God to, to, to let his enemies have it. But, you know, what's interesting to me is nowhere, you know, we all know several Psalms. We could probably quote parts of them where he says, man, my foot nigh slipped. And David talks about everything from feeling confused, angry, revengeful, resentful, bitter, almost backslid, all these things. But the powerful thing about David is that he sees all these feelings as being kept, that they're better off being expressed and kept before him and God than being ignored or, 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 to, or to let them drive him away from God. He says, yes, I'm angry, but I'm not leaving church. Yes, I'm bitter, amen, but I'm going to talk to God about it. Yes, I want my enemies to melt like snails, but I'm going to go to the altar about it. Whereas most of us, when we have these feelings, we either don't confess them, we don't talk about them, we don't pray about them, and we let them drive us out of church. David said, no, I'm going to keep the argument. I'm going to keep my conflict. I'm going to keep my bitterness, my confusion. I'm keeping that in-house, amen, because I know God can work all these things out. I know God has an answer to all my problems. I know God God has a, has a balm for all of my pains. I know God has a solution for all my conflicts. Hallelujah. And here is, here's, here's the beautiful part. Although there are tons of psalms of lament, there are more psalms of praise. The first set of books and psalms are primarily books of lament. But praise psalms make up the last portion of the book of psalms. And many scholars and students of the Bible have rightly noticed that they far outnumber all the lament psalms. Praise psalms are songs in which the writer notices that, that, that not all is wrong in the world. Amen. And, that's, and that there's good in the world. And that that good, amen, is, 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 is a direct result of God's goodness. Amen. The psalmist is saying, yes, there's a lot of stuff that's not right. But there's a lot of stuff that is right. Yea, there are more things that are right than things that are not right. Hallelujah. And I think that the little lesson and take home there for us tonight is no matter how much things are going wrong, you better bet your bottom dollar there's more going right. Hallelujah. No matter how many things are piling up and seemingly piling up against us, there's always something better going on and the better outnumbers the bad. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand praise right now. Hallelujah. So as you can see, every shade and quality of human sentiment is found in the book of Psalms. One quickly has to concede that these writings are not just songs. They are a rich and profound collection of the God and human relationship. It's little wonder that the writers of the New Testament would say in Acts chapter 2, amen, that David was a prophet. When they looked at the writings of Psalms, amen, they said, man, whoever wrote these things was a prophet. We know David as a king. We know David as a shepherd. We know David as the giant killer. But when the writers of the New Testament thought about the writings of David, they said, man, this guy's a prophet. Amen. Why? Because scores of the Psalms are colored with prophecies of Jesus Christ. The New Testament contains over 100 quotations from Psalms. In the opening line of the New Testament, Matthew declares that Jesus is the son of David. Of all the things we could call David, king, shepherd, etc., all the things we just mentioned, uh, we have to remember that David was a psalmist. And so what he is saying is Jesus Christ, the son of the psalmist. Hallelujah. Matthew will go on to include 15, 
15 quotations from the book of Psalms. When the, when the gospel of Mark uh, uh, comes after it, uh, we'll see that Mark will use 10 quotations from the book of Psalms. Luke's gospel is absolutely filled with Psalms. Consider how that when Mary pledged to be married to Joseph, she breaks out in Psalms in Luke 1, 46 through 55. She effortlessly quotes repeatedly, amen, from the book of Psalms. The same is true for Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist in Luke 1 and 68 through 79. He quotes the book of Psalms. Even Satan gets in on the action but of course, he misquotes Psalms, amen, misquoting Psalms 91, 11 through 12 when tempting the Lord uh, in Luke 4, 10 through 11. But I want you to stop and think about this for a second. The, the, the early believers of the Bible quoted so much, read so much, sang so much from the book of Psalms that when the devil went to tempt Jesus, he too used the book of Psalms because he knew this is something they all talk about. This is something they all quote. This is something they all sing. This is something they all have heard. Jesus himself draws from the Psalms frequently and with authority in the book of Luke to teach his people. He quotes the book of Psalms while dying on the cross in Luke 23, 46. And again, after his resurrection, while explaining Old Testament messianic prophecies to two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24 through 27. The Apostle John follows the lead of the synoptic writers drawing from Psalms 15 times in his gospel and in the book of Revelation. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is almost unintelligible apart from the book of Psalms. Jesus, his mother, his disciples, all of them demonstrated a profound love, knowledge, and memorization of the book of Psalms. In the book of Acts, you find that the early church quoted the book of Psalms. Peter, when he recommends appointing another apostle to replace Judas, quotes the verses from the book of quotes verses from the book of Psalms in Acts 1 and 20. When he preaches to the multitude on the day of Pentecost, he quotes three Psalms in Acts 20 in Acts 2, 25, 28, 30, 31, 34, and 35. And when he speaks in his defense before the Sanhedrin in Acts 4 and 11, he quotes still another psalm. And years later, when the Apostle Peter sits down to write his epistles, he quotes psalms in both of those epistles. The Apostle Paul quotes psalms when he preaches in his first evangelistic sermon in Acts 13, 33, and Acts 13, 35, and 26 more psalms he quotes in his epistles. The writer of the book of Hebrews quotes the book of Psalms 19 times. The early Christians looked first and foremost to the book of Psalms to understand more fully the significance of Jesus Christ's person and work. To them, however, the Psalms were more than just songs. They were prophetic texts inspired by the Holy Ghost, and they were filled with joy and excitement. After Pentecost, the apostles actively promoted the singing of psalms wherever the church gathered for worship. Let's read 1 Corinthians 14, 26. And then I need somebody else to read Ephesians 5 and 19. And then Colossians 3 and 16. God bless you, Brother Jesse. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Who's got that? 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Huh? Okay. Go ahead, read it. You got Ephesians 5.19, read that. 
Lord. All right. Who's got 1 Corinthians 4, 20, 14, 26? How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you had a song, had a doctrine, had a tongue, had a revelation, had an interpretation, that all things be done unto edifying. All right. And who's got Colossians 3 and 16? Sister Francis. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to you. Look at that. That's beautiful. Even there, the writers of the New Testament, the apostles, this is now post-Pentecost. They're saying, you know, if I were... You know, when we talk about learning of the learning the word of God, we think about this service, Bible study, etc. They're like, man, go one step further. Make songs about this stuff. Um, and they did. They, in fact, they did write psalms. Uh, um, for example, what is it? Um, I'm sound horrible right now. What is it? Ephesians 4, 4. Uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one father of all. About, that's a psalm, actually. That's not even what we think it is. Most of us read right past that. We're like, oh, wow, that's kind of neat. The word one is in there a lot. It's really easy to memorize. There's a reason. It's because it's actually a song or a psalm. Amen. It's actually a praise to God. Your whole New Testament is literally just filled, packed with psalms. I I want us to really understand this. Amen. Because it actually has a very um, significant meaning for us here tonight. Amen. Uh, Quotes and allusions to the book of Psalms in the New Testament range somewhere close to 400. So in the New Testament, just think about that. There are 27 books in the New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, and there are over 400. And some people debate that there's more. It just depends on how you translate it, because sometimes when you read it and I was going through it today, there are some quotations you read back and forth. You're like, wow, if yeah, that that actually could be such and such a psalm. Like, for example, when Mary finds out that she's uh, um, that she's pregnant, she says, oh, magna, uh, oh, let my soul magnify the Lord. And some people argue she's she's quoting the psalm. Oh, come and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I mean, there's there's some of them that are debate, but four hundred and twenty seven books. That's a lot. These guys were singing that stuff. They were quoting that stuff. They were, they, were, they were looking to the book of Psalms. Amen. Over and over and over. This is a very legitimate book. This is a very important book inside of your Bible. Amen. This is a very significant piece uh, of literature. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, uh, it is virtually impossible for us to condense just how important and significant the Psalms are. In, in any series of lessons. And tonight, tonight, there's no way I could sit here and stress to you just how significant the book of Psalms is. What I do want to say to you is this, that the way the Psalms were written, used, and then responded to was something that Pentecostals should hold fast to. From David to Jesus to the early church, these scriptures excited people. These scriptures prompted people to dance These scriptures made people shout. These scriptures made people cry. These scriptures made people lift their hands. These scriptures made people shout amen and amen. These scriptures made people, amen, uh, dance around the temple. Hallelujah. These these were a big deal. These, uh, I'm calling them scriptures right now, but that's really not. They're more than that. They were songs. Amen. Hallelujah. And we could even see... uh, uh, I, 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 if I had time, I would go into it with you today um, because you cannot talk about Psalms without talking about dancing. Hallelujah. 
And we see that when they danced, they danced with all their might. When they, when they heard about the Messiah, they danced with all their might. When they heard about blessed is he whose sins are forgiven, they danced with all their might. They shouted over these things. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. When he cried out, Lord, amen, uh, wash me with hyssop. Hallelujah. Make me clean. Hallelujah. They wept. Amen. These, these were significant things. Amen. I believe that Christianity is just a little too quiet these days. Hallelujah. And I believe that even in Pentecost, amen, you got churches that are getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And, and that's not the will of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Met modern Pentecostals, those of us here today and now, we can't let this connection between the Bible and us die. Amen. The Bible was written. One of the most significant books in all the Bible was written in such a way that it prompted response. Hallelujah. Amen. This stuff we're doing right here, this amen, as I preach, amen, the shout, the clap, that, that actually, that's old, that, that's, 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 that's so old, I can't even tell you, hallelujah, but it died for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and I could tell you just in all my research, even reading early books of Pentecostalism, they talk about how that there was even a whole stage in Pentecostalism where people thought it was rude. Amen. Because they were coming out of the Methodist church and out of the Nazarene church and out of all these other denominations where, you know, the more civilized and quiet you were, uh, the more sophisticated and controlled and the more of a gentleman you were considered or a, or a lady. No, nobody would act so uncouth. Amen. As to yell while the while the pastor was uh, expounding on his sermon. And all of a sudden, you know what happened? There was these people that started coming into the church. Amen. And at least as far as American history is concerned, predominantly slaves. They started coming into the church and uh, they didn't know no better. They got excited when they heard this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. To preach liberty to the captive. They thought, man, that's worth shouting about right there. Hallelujah. And they didn't know any better. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden this Pentecost began to form. Amen. Pentecostals started saying, well, hey, you know what? Maybe it's all right to shout with the preacher. Maybe it's all. But th- th- this is this is not, th- this was old. This is our heritage. Amen. It is part of your of your spiritual, amen, DNA to shout with the preacher, to to dance while we're singing, amen, to lift your hands, hallelujah, in church. This is all, the songs were written, amen, to get you to do that. Hallelujah. Amen, they were written in order to get you to do that. The Psalms not only call us, but they remind us to interact with Scripture emotionally, expressively, and most importantly, without reservation. Hallelujah. Psalms 30 and 12 says, that the end of my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto you forever. Psalms 33 and 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely to the upright. Psalms 33 and 2 says, Praise the Lord with a harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Hallelujah. As you can see here, the text is saying, Shout. Amen. Praise him. Amen. Get on the keyboard. Hallelujah. Get on the drums. Praise God. It's, I mean, it's telling us, amen, to be interactive, to be expressive, to be loud. I know our neighbors don't like that. Hallelujah. I know, I know certain denominations don't like that. Hallelujah. But the Lord likes that. The Lord likes that. Hallelujah. I can't tell you how many, how many services I've been in myself personally. Amen. Where I felt such a prompting. 
And I, I, I'm, I'm actually confessing here. This is not something good I'm about to say. But I can't tell you how many services I've been in where the preacher's preaching. The choir's going. Amen. The musician's singing. And I'm, man, I'm feeling this urge to just, ah. Amen. To just shout. To get with it. To lift my hands. To cry. And I, and I, and I hold back. Because I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm embarrassed. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't want anybody to think that. Amen. You know, I, I don't mind us doing that, just not when our visitors are here. And I remember as a new convert, when I'd bring my friends to church, right before I'd bring them to the door, amen, I'd explain to them, hey, you know, there's, it's going to be kind of different. And I just, don't be afraid. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, I won't leave you. <laughs> I'll sit right here next to you. Uh, I, I have to step out back, but I'll have my best friend sit next to you. Just don't worry. You know what? We shouldn't do that. We, this is not strange. Uh, we don't, nobody does that at concerts. Nobody does that at the football games. You know, the Raiders fans, they don't tell each other, hey, we're going to go to the game and they're going to really be shouting. And there's going to be a 300 pound guy who's painted half black and half silver. But don't be startled by him. And they don't do that. Amen. They, they, don't, they don't do any of that. They're like, man, it's, this is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. This is a, I don't know where. I don't know why. Amen. Christianity got this bum rap. Amen. It is it is a costume. They're, they're garbs that we should take off. That, that church should be kind of this like mellow controlled atmosphere where civility rules and we are civil hallelujah but there we need to get it in our head there's nothing uncivil about dancing there's nothing uncivil or uncouth amen about shouting hallelujah and there's nothing wrong with lifting your hands hallelujah and singing unto the lord hallelujah and if the psalms teach us uh amen nothing else they teach us that getting in the spirit hallelujah singing dancing shouting crying all this stuff leads to prophetic experiences hallelujah i can i can tell you of other times in my life where god said get up and dance and i got up and danced i can tell you of other times where i heard the preaching and i got up and shouted i can tell you of other times where i wept as the singer sang, hallelujah, and all of a sudden just the spirit of prophecy came over me. And all of a sudden I saw what was possible. And all of a sudden I saw things that would come to pass sometimes the next day, sometimes years later, sometimes months later. Amen. I'll never forget one particular service my wife and I were in. I'm telling you the gospel truth. We were so broke. It wasn't even funny. We were hurting financially. And uh, we, were, we were at church and a, and a man preached a message called suddenly, amen, out of the book of Acts. He just kept preaching suddenly. Suddenly, 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 suddenly. And he said, he said, you know, I know some of you may not may not believe it, but God can bless you suddenly. Amen. And me and my wife, we got up together as broke as we were. And we said, amen. Hallelujah. We believed God for it. And that very next morning, hallelujah, at 7 a.m., I got a phone call and a knock on the door almost simultaneously. And uh, it was one of my good friends. He said, man, I don't know why. I just felt to come by and drop you off a check for $200. Hallelujah. And um, then I got a phone call. Amen. And somebody said, hey, we, we, we're going to have a conference today, but the, the speaker got sick and we need to know if you can get on a plane right now and fly out to preach for us. We'll take good care of you. Hallelujah. And you know what I did? I got up and I shouted, amen and amen. Hallelujah. God's God. When you interact with the Holy Ghost, amen, prophecy is going to start moving. When you interact with the Holy Ghost, you can get free from bondage. When you interact with the Holy Ghost, amen, you're going to get a vision of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is, this is our heritage. This is our spiritual makeup. This is where we come from. Hallelujah. This is us. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a great big hand. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. And if I could, amen, I would take several more 
lessons. Amen. And teach you about dancing. Amen. Not how to dance. Hallelujah. Praise God. You don't need lessons from me. Praise the Lord. But uh, I would teach you about the, the biblical history just of dancing, much of which was triggered by the book of Psalms. Amen. And you could even see how, um, how these, these people of our Bible, this biblical mind and us, amen, but this biblical mind, amen, was so centered around the Psalms. They literally quoted it night and day. They prayed it. Uh, when they were sad and they were broken, they opened up the, that first part of the book yeah. and they began to read from there. And when they were excited and happy, they opened up that latter end of the book and they began to read from there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, if there's just something real powerful. I don't, you know, I don't believe in like, you know, like, you know, some, some people don't, they, they can't even pray on their own. They have to read stuff. But uh, I'm not talking about that. But, but there's even times it just, man, I can't tell you, I just open up the book of Psalms and just read it out loud. Just read it out loud. Amen. Just you, you just hear those those just those those beautiful words, amen, where somebody is just without reservation and all candidness, amen, just giving God, amen, full praise, hallelujah, and uh, expressing everything that they're feeling. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you all uh, for being here tonight. I know that uh, it rained and it slowed everybody down and we got people sick and we got people healing and we got, we got everything. Amen. Uh, so, amen. Choose your psalm tonight. If you got, if you got sick kids, amen, there's a psalm for that. Hallelujah. Amen. If, if you got aches and pains and it's wet and you got to go to work tomorrow, amen, there's, there's a psalm for that too. Hallelujah. So God bless you. We love you. We'll see you again here Sunday at uh, 11 a.m. Praise God.